Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker. And let me just set the stage for you right now. Citizen Kane, the Godfather, Lawrence of Arabia, Dr. Goldfoot, and the Bikini Machine. Parker, you've gone through your life living a lie. You've never really watched a great movie until today. What does it feel like having watched the intellectual masterpiece, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine? You might have watched a movie, but I experienced a film. <laughs> you can take your Deadpools and all your silly, trite comic book nonsense and keep it. Because what I've witnessed is a tour de force David Lynch could never dream of making. I, I, I don't even know who upon that is. His little gold booties. <laughs> and the, I have learned about myself <laughs> and how to love. And how to live. Yeah, that's why we're canceling this show. Yeah. Folks, <laughs> uh, before we get any farther, uh, before we talk about this cinematic masterpiece. This event movie. This gift from the Greek gods to us little humans. Do you have any news? This wow. is big fucking news! Buddy, it's been a couple weeks. You know, we've had some big movies... But things have slowed down a bit. We're about to hit that summer high of just garbage upon garbage. So let's just, you know, dip our toe in the water and see how the world of film and TV is going. Margot oh, Robbie is pitching the Harley Quinn movie as an R-rated girl game film. Uh, I, I, I was so happy. I had a big smile on my face and then everything was ripped away. When I think no. Harley Quinn, I definitely think like a hard R. Yeah, that way she can say the N-word. <laughs> like the I don't want to say that there's no movie in the world I want to see less, but it's pretty high up there. What about Birds of Prey or Gotham Sirens? Just throw them all in one big old bowl of jambalaya and fucking serve it to me. Because <laughs> I'll be there regardless of whether I want to or not. I mean, it's content. I mean, we are kind of guided by our listener numbers. Please subscribe. Please, God, <laughs> delete this off your phone so I don't have to see it. All right, what else is happening? You know, you know what you'll be seeing a lot of? What? Rick and Morty. Because 70 new episodes have been purchased by Adult Swim. <laughs> One of these days I'll 70. actually watch this show. <laughs> hey, you know what's not good? A hundred of anything. I, uh, I can definitely say that one of these days I will probably maybe eventually perhaps get to it it's very cool that in the year of our lord 2018 I'm much 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 more embarrassed to tell someone that I watch Rick and Morty than the 
why? What about such classic lines as, I'm Pickle Rick. Love and love a dump I just walk around in my hustle mode to respect Sean Cena shirt, and I just scream that they can't see my Szechuan sauce. And that's just because I'm smart. It's I'm an intellectual. I love memes. I'm very high IQ. My... I've almost reached age 30, meaning I'm almost a wizard, so I'm about to have bountiful powers you can never hitherto foreseen. Your energy and levels I just, are really impressive. Oh, my key blasts are so much better right now. I'm kind of a... I'm kind of an intellectual on the dark web when it comes to Rick Morty. I'd say that I can agree. That, you know, that's where we get most of our listeners. As the pickle Rick of the alt-right. <laughs> I find myself an authority on him. What to hurt you with next? Oh. oh no. So you know how I said mere minutes ago <laughs> that it was not the movie I want to see the least in the world? <laughs> what is it? So here's a headline I read and then blacked out and woke up hours later. <laughs> Beloved G.I. Joe character Snake Eyes is getting his own movie. Ooh. I'm so glad you asked for this. <laughs> oh no. What if... What if a G.I. Joe character who is a silent masked sword-carrying ninja assassin got his own movie by a screenwriter whose name I can't pronounce, but is now doing a pass over Bright 2? Uh, <laughs> There's a lot going on now. I just want you to parse through it in your own pace. Yeah, that bodes well. Um, this is kind of like if Katana got her own movie. <laughs> oh, Don't put those thoughts in the world, you sacky shit. <laughs> now... To remind you, this is coming out from Hasbro, who owns the rights to all the G.I. Joe stuff and all the Transformers stuff. Am enough. But more importantly, oddly, sticking with it. My uncle. <laughs> I'm sorry I got so excited, because not only do they own all that, they just bought the rights to Power Rangers. So sorry about your life for the next 45 years. <laughs> sorry about Samurai Carousel, just gonna keep reviewing Power Rangers episodes. He's until gonna he dies. die. <laughs> Rangers, Rita's putties are attacking Angel Grove's dopest orc block parties. <laughs> oh boy. A lot of great news. You know what? How about something that's actually common good? Yeah. That's that our dear, sweet, lovable boy, Guillermo del Toro, just landed his very own horror series on Netflix. Goodness gracious. Every word of that fills my heart with joy. I have something to do at work now. Whenever work is kind of slow. What if I was to tell you anthology for this series. Would you be interested in a show of that caliber? You know, I've never seen anything like that, but, like, it's a pretty good idea. I, I don't know if it'll ever be, like, a big moneymaker or if they'll get any, like, big-name stars on it. Yeah, there's no telling if this has any legs. Yeah. But don't forget that also this year, they're working on an adaptation of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, written by Guillermo del Toro. Hmm. A.K.A. those books with those horrifying fucking pictures. First of all, my brother and I loved those books growing up. We thought those were the greatest things in the world. You know who else loved them, actually? My mom loved those books. She loved to read those to us. The best part about those books wasn't just that the drawings were terrifying. Those drawings gave me nightmares. But, like, they had, like, all this, like, extra stuff in there. It's like, they would read it. I was like, oh, reach out and, like, grab the kid's knee. Whatever you read it, it's like, ah, I got you or something like that. And, like, it had all these different things. It kind of, like, broke the fourth wall every once in a while. There was, like, a bit of dark humor in some of the stories, too. I love that anyone who read those books, if you mention it, every single person thinks of the exact same picture. Oh, yeah. That decaying woman is in an entire generation's mind forever. 
you know, that's the thing. It's like, I got that bookshelf. It's like, maybe I should get scary stories to tell in the dark. It's like, I, I don't want to pull out that cover and ever see it again. <laughs> I 100% bought a collection of it up Barnes & Noble online. That's... I just need it near me at all times. Uh, that... Just flipping through it just fills me with such warm, comfy thoughts of my childhood. It's... It is... I mean, I don't know who drew those pictures, but it's like, that, that right there is proof that it's okay to scare little kids. You know, it's okay to make horror that's directed at little kids. I mean, without something that's like Monster Squad or whatever. Did you know Future they released the books at one point with, oh my god, with different artwork in them and people got real mad? I do not believe you. Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> keep talking, I'm going to Google uh, this sort of thing. Speaking of children's horror, it's horror about children, but definitely not for children. That's that Pet Cemetery has cast a new character. Our dear, dear sweet monster replaced with one John Lithgow so that should be very interesting oh good he's still alive <laughs> you know what you're not wrong that was my initial reaction like oh thank god <laughs> all I know Google him from streaming. is I only know him from two movies I know him from Shrek and I know him from uh, the 80s version uh, Santa Claus I hate so much about what you just said to me but that's fine I kind of want to make you watch that 80s version of Santa Claus because it's... You don't have to do that, though, is the thing. Because we're friends, and friends don't do that. John, so that's cool that it's a hypothetical. John Lithgow actually cracks me up with that movie. It's it's not a very good movie. Shocks. But, uh, holy shit, he seriously cracks me up in that movie. There's a couple moments that are just so over the top. John Lithgow is great in everything he's in, including Dexter, which was already about to go off the deep end by the time he came on. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing I've already closed Sorry, that tab no. on scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, yeah, just don't think about it at all. Exactly. I'm not going to have nightmares about it. So, speaking of nightmares, the things keeping our dear friend Sylvester Stallone up at night. When will Rambo come back? Don't worry. Chris. I really thought you were going to say you got me too really hard. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just accepted that everyone in the 80s was just... Yeah, just really getting in there. Yeah, but don't worry, Rambo is back to fight again. The Mexican cartel. Now, on a scale of one to ten, how tastefully do you think this will be done? <laughs> super tasteful. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be like the new Death Wish. It's really going to cater to social justice and progressive thoughts. <laughs> Future episode with your dad. <laughs> One of these days, I'm gonna record him surreptitiously. Yeah, just get them going, but just really get them ramped up and then just slide your phone. Dad, Dad, how would you have liked it if they had a black person in Van Helsing? Oh my god. <laughs> I'll take vampires and fairies, but this is just too far-fetched for me. <laughs> they didn't live in Romania back then. They're changing history on you. <laughs> you know what? Just stay true to the source material. That's not all I'm asking as a fan. Treat me with respect for following you for so long. I'm just saying, James Bond's supposed to be white. If you read the books... Jane Bond? I don't fucking think so. <laughs> okay, Dad. Idris Elba. What? Actually, my dad loves Idris Elba. Huh. Yeah. Man. I gotta redo my calculations yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, what's next on the news docket? Well, you see, Rambo 5 sounds like garbage. But that's where I learned that originally years ago. Rambo 5 was supposed to be very, very different. He was supposed to fight this goddamn hellacious predator monster thing. 
it hurts that. my soul. It hurts my soul that this movie didn't get made. Exactly. I, I would totally watch that. It'd probably be better than the original Predator. Because I definitely wrote down Stallone's quote here. It's a thing. It's this amalgamation of theory and intelligence and pure, unadulterated rage. He's going against a feral beast that has absolute cunning and intelligence and a will to survive that is only matched by Rambo's. Who's not seeing this movie? <laughs> Who in the fuck showed them to me? Who would probably get passed over for best makeup? Oh, Jesus. Well, speaking of movies that I will see that are coming out, it's important to know that Justin Lin, famous for making the good Fast and Furious movies, is back for Fast and Furious 9 and 10. Uh, the money train never stops, Chris. That's the important thing, is that we make money. Telling stories is like, yeah, fine, what, I don't even know what they're going to do now. I, haven't they stolen all the money in the world? Look, those movies are probably bad, but what won't be bad is The Rock, Jason Statham spinoff, directed by the guy who did John Wick and Atomic Blonde. I am here for this. And if it's not great, I will be inconsolable for weeks. <laughs> Until you watch your Guillermo del Toro horror series. Oh my god, it's gonna be just the biggest, comfiest, warmest blanket. I love him so much. Now Chris, here's a little segment I like to call Have a Weird Conversation With Yourself About Separating the Art from the Artist. Oh boy, my favorite segment. Because, as you might know, our friend Quentin Tarantino is a very special fella. Yes, he's very unique. Loves feet. Yeah. And almost murdering his lead actress. Yeah. And covering up for his rapist friend. Mm -hmm. You know, regular, totally online cool thing. It's just his sort of way of having a good time. I don't think that we can rightfully judge him for this. So my instinct is, fuck this dude forever. I'm not going to support his movies. Then I read headlines where I learn that. So... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's coming out. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Already I'm in. And Burt Riddles, I'm and in. Tim Roth, I'm in. and Kurt Russell. I'm in. So, I, I guess I'm a hypocrite. I couldn't actually obligate to see that. I guess I'll just, my morals, my character is non-existent. I mean, do not believe a word I say, because I'm not going to not see that. I'm kind of garbage. Sorry, I watched Stone Cold on my childhood. You do this I mean, I mean, there's that. I'm, I've also been excellent at separating the art from the artist. I still watch Hitchcock movies, and he was a sleaze. You know? I, I, I still will watch anything with Mel Gibson in or on it. Turns out growing up watching wrestling, football, and listening to metal just kind of prepares you for all of your heroes to be absolute gutter trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you think about Wikipedia it... Wikipedia was a mistake. <laughs> I've learned too much. That's definitely true. I mean, you think about it, like, Jimmy Page, lead guitarist for the for Led Zeppelin, he, that dude definitely slept with 14-year-olds. I mean, you know, who doesn't love Motorhead and Lemmy? You know what oh. Lemmy really loves? Nazi memorabilia! Cool. It's, it's I just, just you know, collecting, it's not, you know? It's, it's not about the history. fascism or the genocide or the millions of dead bodies. It's just this eagle looks so cool on this hat. Yeah. That's all it is. He wrote Ace of Spades. What are you going to do? Do I hate the guy? Listen, you can complain about Treblinka and all the others, but I listen to Back at the Funny Farm and that song slaps. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hitherto, therefore, case closed. <laughs> QED. Next segment. So there's a lot of talk going on in this industry industry we pretend to be a part of. I just think it's unfair to lump all male directors into one group because of the actions of a couple of bad eggs. You exactly. Know, 
mean, it's just ridiculous to sit here and make statements like male directors are allowed to make bomb after bomb and given second, third, fourth, and fifth chances while women and people of color are rarely given the opportunity. Exactly. It's Name a fabrication. One exactly. It's just a hollow argument. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me get our ad read going here. Yeah. The world's greatest detective returns as Guy Ritchie reunites Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law for Sherlock Holmes 3 next Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> Everyone go out and support that. We desperately need money, and uh, I'm sure that someone is going to put a gun to my spine and force me to watch that movie. Turns out, if you're a white dude, you need to make two movies people like 15 years ago. You just get to fail upwards forever. Enough about Guy Ritchie. <laughs> For good, like just as a society. Yeah. Enough with Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I've I, we have had our fill. How many times can you make absolute garbage and be like? Now the next one will be like Lockstock. This will be the one. We can trust him. So that's all for me, my friend. Would you like to tell me what you've watched recently? Well, I certainly would. Um, Jinkies. First, I will uh, preface this by saying I did indeed lose a bet to Parker. So uh, I was told to watch The Fly. Parker, 1958's The Fly, starring Vincent Price, no, is actually... not how this works. <laughs> not how this works. You know good and goddamn well I don't mean any movie in black and white. Oh, good news. This one's actually in color. You know what? You think you're so clever with your wordplay. It's, no, it's, it actually is in color. So, uh, I watched it, and let me tell you something. 1958's The Fly is actually pretty good. I was surprised. Like, there are a couple kind of cheesy moments, but this is a movie that would have been too good for Mystery Science Theater 3000 to uh, riff on. It was uh, it, it was thoughtful, it, it had a point, it, it had a message to the story, and the story was well told, it was well framed, the narrative, I really like that. Uh, Vincent Price was subtle in it, I did not know that was possible, and uh, <laughs> subdued Vincent Price. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's, uh, I, I think that if you watched it, you wouldn't be jumping for joy, but you'd be like, you know what, this is a classic horror. Although I think it, it kind of feels more like classic sci-fi, you know? Um, and then I watched 1986 The Fly by uh, a director who, Parker, this is a slightly lukewarm take here. I think David Cronenberg might have found his niche for uh, body horror. <laughs> you know what? I'll give it to you. I'll yeah. give it to you. Yeah. Also, I let me back you up here about the fly. For the longest time, I've been uh, a controversialist in my friend group at work because they all really like Jeff Goldblum. And for the longest time, I didn't. And not that I disliked him. It was more just like, yeah, he's fine. I don't really see the big deal about him. I was like, oh, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum. I'm like, yeah, you know, he, you know, he does stuff. It was whatever. But, like... I, I mean, I saw him in uh, Independence Day. He was nothing in that. I saw him in uh, Jurassic Park. Didn't leave an impression on me. The only movie where I really liked him was in... Uh, it wasn't a movie. It was that Escape from Horrorland video game. Which uh, he played... It's like the movie... The, the whole game is like kind of cheesy. It's like there's really stupid writing, really stupid acting. And my brother and I get to Dracula. Yeah, my brother and I get to Dracula. We're just like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be. And it turns around... And they got Jeff Goldblum for this somehow. <laughs> we're here just like, how did they get this guy? And he's like my favorite part of the game. Anyway, so I put on the fly, and he's the first thing you see is his face with that bizarro 80s haircut. And that cat is going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, she's not allowed outside, so 
I'd lock her in my room, but she'd pee everywhere or something. I don't know. Uh, the first thing you see is Jeff Goldblum and his 80s hair, and he's like, uh, well, uh, the uh, device uh, transfers things from uh, place to place, or, or whatever he says, and immediately I'm hooked. I, I love this guy. I love this character. I'm like, wait a second. Why doesn't Jeff Goldblum just play Jeff Goldblum in every movie? Oh. Because... For the past couple of years, Jeff Goldblum hasn't really acted. They put him in movies, but he wasn't acting. They just sat him down in a chair, they got that makeup on him, and they're like, okay, it's called Thor Ragnarok, act rich. And uh, he put himself in there, he's like, oh, well, uh, Thor, I uh, see that you would like to uh, compete for me. And, uh, yeah, he's the worst part of the movie. So, in this... It's fine fine to have opinions about movies, it's fine, that's what we're here for. Yeah, we can discuss them. Uh, Now we're fine, we don't have to go down that road. No, 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 he is excellent in The Fly, he is fantastic. You know the thing I didn't realize about The Fly? It's it's a lot of different things, people have trouble putting it into one genre. People say it's horror, people say it's sci-fi, I would call it a tragedy, but you know what's really underrated about it? It's surprisingly funny. Like, it, there are a lot of genuinely kind of funny moments in there, intentional funny moments, and I have a feeling that a lot of it came about from ad-libs, you know, Jeff Goldblum just being what he is. It's very well written. It's extraordinary with a makeup. Holy balls. I'm so glad it won an Oscar. It didn't get passed up for some other bullshit. Uh, it's exceedingly well acted. It's I, I just love everything about this movie. I am very thankful that you had me watch it. I have seen the movie several times. I have seen the arm wrestling scene once. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, you know the scene that got me? It was the monkey, the initial transfer of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's some... See, now I'm just remembering him just spitting up on people. That's a good movie. It That's is a great, great movie. movie. That's, that is a classic. It's an old-timer. It's, it's one of the best of every single genre that it's in. It's up there. There's a reason it's on the list anytime someone complains about a horror remake. It's the thing, the fly. Stop talking. You know what? That's a good point. Please okay, fine. Now, like, for a while I think I considered, like, the thing to be the one good remake, I guess, besides Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You know what? The fly. The fly's up there. The fly definitely the kills. So, um, so it's nice to watch classic movies that everyone likes and made a lot of money. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately... We can't always get what we want, but if you try sometimes, you find you get what you need. I watched John Carter. Uh, John Carter is... What brought this on? What gave you the itch to watch John Carter? Um, no, okay, I can tell you, you what gave me... You very limited free time this week, and you decided, you know what, it's time. I can, I can tell you what gave me the itch. I, uh... I was at work and I was reading a book by Edgar Rice Burroughs, writer of Tarzan, and he also wrote other books, <laughs> such, such as. Uh, I couldn't think of Jungle to Jungle fast enough. I failed you. I'm sorry. It was right there. I saw Brendan Fraser's dumb fucking face eating the coffee. I'm so sorry. Shit. <laughs> you gave me that perfect lob. I apologize. You said, wait, did you say George of the Jungle or Jungle 2 Jungle? Because it's just. <laughs> oh, shit! No! It's all unraveling. Oh, God. This house of cards is falling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he also, before he wrote Tarzan and made a gorillion dollars off it, uh, he uh, also wrote a book called Under the Moons of Mars, which is now known as A Princess of Mars. 
which uh, the movie wants to think is called John Carter of Mars, and now just John Carter. Uh, a Princess of Mars is surprisingly really good. It, and, okay, there, you have to make a couple concessions. You have to realize, okay, it was written in 1911, so there's a bit of nonsense going on for the stuff that was written back then, but I had a, such a good time reading it. I ignored Juno Diaz's uh, thing at the beginning. He got me too But everything else in the book, I, I love this book to death. I highly recommend it to everyone. Read A Princess of Mars. I'm going to read the rest of the series. I've got so many books, but I, I'm definitely going to get to the rest of it. I, I think it's totally fun. I want to know more about this world, this character. You know, it's, it's great. And hey, why not make a movie on this? In fact, John Carter holds the world record for the longest time spent in development hell, 79 years. It's uh, kind of obvious why. It, this is not an easy movie to make. They were originally going to make it animated. Not a bad idea. And, you know, different people were trying to get it, but it wouldn't have been easy. This would have been really expensive to make. And in fact, this Disney adaptation was very, very expensive. You can, you can just kind of tell. It's like, oh, they put a lot of time and money into this. Parker, let's talk economic theories. So, uh... Great. You've come to the right person. Sometimes when you make something that's really expensive, you, you need it to make a whole lot of money back. Like the, the Grand Theft Auto games. They usually put a lot of money into those, but people usually buy a whole lot of them. So it's okay. John Carter didn't quite work out that way. In fact... If you uh, go to Wikipedia and go to the section on box office bombs and order or, and organize it by amount of money lost, John Carter is extremely high near the top, if not number one. It lost a good almost $200 million, which is, as they say in the business, not great. So... Uh, <laughs> That's the thing is, like, I went on to iCheckMovies.com to check it off after I watched it, and it's still on the all-time box office list, which just goes to show how much money they put into it somehow. Um, now for perhaps the hottest take I've ever let on here. John Carter, the movie, 2012, is actually pretty damn good. It's, uh, and maybe I'm coming from a place of bias, because I really love the original book, but we've been wondering, like, whatever happened to good adventure movies? Here we go. I like, I understand. Okay, even I will admit that it's not quite as good as Star Wars, but I'm. It's <laughs> <That's> so brave. <laughs> that you. I mean, you know me, but <laughs> I almost did a fucking spit take. How dare you? <laughs> Why do you do things just to hurt me? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm at this point. I'm paying money to do it, but uh, like, it's. It's actually good. I almost want to buy the Blu-ray, but I wonder if I can get commentary because there was a lot of love and care and effort that was put into this. Someone read the book and was just like, okay, I have to get this, I have to get this, I have to get this, I have to change this so it'll make sense, but I have to get this. And there's so much like care put into this. And you know what the worst thing, the really thing that really gets me is this came out after Avatar and people are like, oh yeah, it's just a ripoff off Avatar. Fuck you. Like from a hundred-year-old book. Yeah, Avatar stole from this. They're like, oh, you're just trying to make another Avatar. Maybe Disney is, but not the director. Someone read the book and was just like, yeah, this is awesome. Here's why it probably didn't make very much money. A couple reasons. One, there are a couple points in there, uh, in the movie, especially towards the beginning, where you're kind of... You're given a lot of information, you're trying to keep track of this, and it doesn't do a very good job of explaining to you why you should care. And he got like that kid at the beginning who who looks like he's uh, 
Julie from Spy Kids or whatever. I can't tell. It might be him. Who knows? Um, and it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like he's doing this. And the comedy doesn't really work very well. And there's a whole lot of... It's kind of like W in Medias Rest, sort of like uh, Star Wars does, you know? Like, instead of having that text crawl, they have some guy explaining at the beginning that only a break can wield a wand. But, um... <laughs> Never gonna let People that go. Stuck am that I? In. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, that's like the third bright reference. I'm so proud of us. Exactly. Maybe that movie was actually good this whole time. Anyway. Yeah, let's rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> how, are, how are the Celtics doing? Celtics are up one to nothing. I hope you're ready to watch Descendants too. Anyway. You uh, don't have to do that. Yeah, I, is, I, I guess you know, I don't. The other thing is cool. that I realize it won't forget. Promise. Yeah. I realized something. A Princess of Mars was pretty big for its time. I mean, there are a bunch of novels. It was very influential for sci-fi. But it wasn't ever the big cult, not cult, uh, what, what would be the word here? Pop culture uh, hit that Tarzan was. Even if you've never, like, you've never read Tarzan. No. Of course not. It's got words in it. No pictures. I just know the Phil Collins song. Ex That's all you need. Rosie O'Donnell. Okay. Okay. Monkey. Just, okay. Okay. Anyway. So, cut all this episode. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Like the Johnny Weissmuller movies and everything, kids on the playground know who Tarzan is. Even if you haven't seen the movies, even if you haven't read the books, you know Tarzan. Everyone knows Tarzan. But if you say John Carter, be like, oh, that kid in third grade? Yeah, I don't talk to him much. You know? That's it's just the way it goes. It was never that much of a hit. And the the people who made the movie seemed to think that John Carter was a bigger hit than it actually was. Or rather, that it was as big of a hit as it should have been. See, I love John Carter. It's a really, really good book and a, actually a, a pretty damn good movie. It's especially because like the rights have reverted back to Edgar Rice Burroughs' estate, so they can remake this movie whenever they want and maybe do a good job of it this time. But I, I think this one is not a really bad iteration of it. Sp uh, side note, they also made another iteration of A Princess of Mars, and this one stars Tracy Lords. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, dear. The, the, the blonde woman from uh, Tommyknockers. <laughs> Oh, trust me. And other things. I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Allegedly. Yeah. I really liked her in Blade. That's all I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, of course. But in this, in this, you know, the, the, there's some things they can't do. For example, in the original book, everyone was nude. They obviously can't do that in a Disney movie. But in, in this, they, they come kind of close to, like, to making them actually red. You know, I kind of... Okay, this is embarrassing. Red, I, mad, and nude on Mars. Okay, I was going to make that joke. You got me there. <laughs> I was hoping for it. so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think if oh, you actually sorry. gave it the time and really, like... I think you actually have to put in a lot of effort as a, as a viewer. You can't just be like, oh Oof. yeah, this movie will entertain me. You have to be like, okay, I'm invested, my phone is away, I'm just going to watch the movie and try to understand everything. If you do that, I think you will be well rewarded. The third act is good. I am not a high effort kind of person. You know that about me. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that is, they made a couple changes I didn't like. Um, they didn't give enough attention to the character of Sola, who I really liked. And the original book is actually a romance, and a lot of people don't seem to understand that. But And in this, it's like the romance is kind of pushed to the side. Uh, really, there should be more romance in this. It's like Especially because the two main leads are so, so cute together. But... I don't know. I, maybe I'm the only one who likes this movie, but I, I think this is a should be a classic. I, I will say what Harlan Ellison said about Dune. You watch. In 30 years, people will say, that was a film. He was wrong. 
So, in 2012, they put out John Carter, which was based on a thing they thought a lot more people would care about, and it lost a gorillion dollars. In 2013, they put out The Lone Ranger. So, oops. <laughs> I think that's basically another one I was going to say, is I haven't watched a Lone Ranger, and I don't think you could force me to do that, but... Couldn't I? You know, I bet if I watch... Well, I hope LeBron doesn't wake I, up. I though. have been interested in a while in watching all these box office bombs because whenever it's oh, I lost so much money, I lost so much money, it must be bad. Look, I saw the preview trailers for The Lone Ranger. It doesn't look like it could be that bad. What could possibly go wrong? Look, I'm looking at this sorted by, like, estimated loss. Mm -hmm. And up here, I'm like relatively close to the top is the Power Rangers movie from last year. The Power Rangers movie was a hundred times better than Pacific Rim 2. <laughs> like, it's the same premise, and it's infinitely better. Oh, that reminds me. You can tell where... Blade Runner 2049. I'm fine. I'm not mad. You can Very tell regular. where the money was spent on John Carter. The computer effects are fantastic. They're just some of the best I think I've seen in a very long time. Not exactly Blade Runner 2049, but, like, the aliens look so good. You know what? King Arthur's pretty high on this list. Yeah, that's the one I was going to mention maybe about should, Guy Ritchie. Maybe you should go ahead and, uh... I didn't know I lost that much money. Ronin, I don't remember anything of that. Everyone kept, keeps saying that, like, Mom's... Boy, was it, is it Mars Needs Mom? Mars is that at the top? It's pretty high up it, there. That's the thing, is it's not number one. What's number one? Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Which, I've never heard of it. Oh, I actually... Oh, it's an animated one. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, DreamWorks. Oh, by the way, that movie's actually not bad. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these, like, don't a lot of people like Titan 80? I haven't actually seen it. If you don't, I didn't watch... You go back and watch that animated Sinbad version, there's a scene with, like, the evil goddess or whatever, and she... There's a scene where she has to possess somebody, right? And you're like, oh, a possession, what, are they, what could that be? Her body just dissipates into that person? No, that would be, like, lame and boring and tired. She does this thing where she, like, creates a marionette to, like, take his control of his oh, body. Geez. It looks so cool! The, like, okay, the movie isn't, like, a home run, but it's, like, a stand-up double. <laughs> There's some terrible movies on this list. John Carter is the home run that bounces off of Jose Cuervo's head. Oh, oh wait, I meant Jose Canseco. Whatever. Same guy. No, <laughs> no believe me. Yeah. Anyway, the only other movie I watched, and I'll get into the other thing later, uh, is uh, The Final Sacrifice. That's a good Barker, one. it might it be my favorite episode. <laughs> it's so fucking good. I, every single time, I, I forget something else that I love. The guy introduces himself as Zap Rousdower. He responds, yeah, well, my name is Bill Stinkwater. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy when I saw that name pop up in my Twitter <laughs> Bill Stinkwater. <laughs> and I also forgot how much I love the grizzled old prospector. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <My>, he's <laughs> legends. <laughs> He was delicious. <laughs> Had a hard time settling up the missus this morning. <laughs> Ooh, fresh towels in the bathroom. <laughs> Ooh, that needs an eraser. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that's an old time. Give me that, you varmint. <laughs> They're all climbing up the side of the bathroom. They're all breathing heavy. <laughs> There's beer on the side. <laughs> I, my dad got me a beer glass with those words on it. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> I wonder if there's beer on the sun. <laughs> that episode is so fucking Ah, oh, my drinking arm's healed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't 
you know, for that little kid, fucking Christian Malcolm has the most annoying voice in the world. That wasn't a very good idea. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I accidentally broke both of my ribs. <laughs> I accidentally swallowed the knife somehow. <laughs> Pepper. Pepper eggs. <laughs> That, that was the movie that taught me about Larry Zonka. <laughs> so, well, is that a so uh, when you grow up, are you going to be a fishing guide or a Mountie, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's the shittiest back of his cab I've ever seen. They're saying, oh, who, do- who says there are nice homes in Canada? <laughs> it's a lot more comfortable up here. I bet it is. <laughs> Browse Tower goes over to Browse Tower! Browse Tower! Come on, baby. Don't let me down, baby. I won't, Browse Tower! Brigger! Can I discipline you? favorite recurring joke in that whole show is anytime a scrawny character lifts something just grunt <laughs> he's like opening up a vanilla envelope <laughs> dear agent scully did not appreciate your lawyer's tone <laughs> he's just poured into that sweater damn crazy bro really is crazy <laughs> Wait a second. I haven't had I haven't read Tolkien in a week. <laughs> Just quote the entire episode. Why didn't we watch that? We should've. Change of plans. We're watching the final sacrifice. Right now. And just quoting our favorite jokes word for word. I, I think my favorite thing about uh, the final sacrifice is one of the conversations I always get into other with other people is that everyone says, Oh, what's the worst MST movie? Is it uh, Monster Go Go, is it Manos, whatever. I always wonder what's the best movie they ever did. You know, it's probably This Island Earth, but if it's not, I actually think The Final Sacrifice might have a legit position as the best movie they ever did, or at least the least worst. Incredible Melting Man is almost a real movie. That's pretty high up there. Mm hmm. I mean, you're grading on a very, very strict curve. Yeah, you know. I mean, what else are you going to put up there? You're not going to put Hobgoblins there. Prince of Space. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Space <laughs> all right. Actually, there's several Godzilla movies, and those are for... Actually, I like it very much. <laughs> Camera's friend to all the children. All the <laughs> it's me laughing after every single Frankie Avalon reaction face at Dr. Goldfoot. So the Jet Jaguar statue or a studio, I know it makes you uncomfortable, but he's protector of children. I'm gonna have the medallion from Pume Man. <laughs> that Pume Man. <laughs> now, Parker, I watched something else this week. Uh, we got a little side thing going on. I've always wanted you to watch Twin Peaks, and much like a colicky baby, you refuse to watch it unless someone else okay. will do it. And I, I respect that, sort of. Not really. So, That's fine. to make it easier for just like, see? Mommy's eating her spinach too. 
I'm watching another TV show. Why are you taking this away from me? <laughs> this one bit of excitement. <laughs> I, uh, I'm watching Tales from the Crypt. Now, it's an animated show, and it kind of makes it a little bit lighter from the... Wait. Oh. Oh, wait. Oh, you wanted me to watch a... Oh. I, uh... I want you to watch a real show for adults <laughs> that I watched as a child. No, I'm kidding. I actually did watch Tales from the Crypt. And I have to say, the first episode is easily my favorite. Uh, that one's The so Man good. Who Was Death, which is already a great title. Directed by uh, Walter, Walter Hill. Guy. Yeah, Walter Hill. He's pretty good. Turns out he's actually good at making movies. Who knew? And it's really... I, I gotta tell you, William Sadler? Holy shit. Best actor of the entire series so far. I, I'm so having a great good. time watching this. Now, he, that's the one about the electrocutioner. Um, I'm trying not to devote too much time to this because there's a lot of episodes I watch. Turns out these are only 22 minutes. It's easily digestible, just like a regular horror movie is shorter than other movies. This like, is shorter than regular shows. Two hours on this if you want to. <laughs> I am locked in to talk about my favorite show. Well, and the next episode was an all through the house. It's a Christmas mm. episode. It's okay. Also, they have dig that. Okay, cat. <laughs> it's fine. That's cool. Whatever. I was going to objective. I was going to talk more about it, but then I saw the director of the episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this famous cube. <laughs> <laughs> if they had had a, if they had had a, a Rubik's cube during the episode, I probably would have screamed. Uh, it is actually a pretty good episode. Now, you called it the best uh, short horror uh, Christmas-based thing of all time. I was like, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of those. Okay, fine. It's one of the best Christmas horror-themed things. Okay. Because there's a decent amount of those, and most of them get real old after about 45 minutes. I think my favorite thing is we watched a movie. Uh, wait, what was the movie? Oh, yeah, we watched The Haunting with a woman who does not know how to scream. In this, let me tell you something. Mary Ellen Trader, she knows how to scream. Wait a second. Like it's just, Keep going. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mary Ellen Trainer. What else was she? Oh, she was in Lethal Weapon and The Goonies. That checks out. And Ghostbusters 2 and Monster Squad. And Back to the Future 2. Wait a second. And Forrest Gump? What wasn't she in? She might have worked with this Zemeckis fellow before. And I Freaky reckon. Friday. And Amy's Orgasm. Wait a second. Oh. Oh, she was in Congo. Oh, man. Feature episode. And well, well I, <laughs> I gotta tell you something about this. Mary Ellen Trainer is a legitimate actress. As you can tell, she was in Lethal Weapon 4. So, it's one of the oh, nice Jesus. things about, about Tales from the Crypt is that they get actual, real actors, you know, people who would go on to be pretty famous, such as, in the next episode, Joe Pantoliano. My dear Joey Pants. It's got a great episode name, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone. Uh, this is one of the ones where I thought the ending could have been improved, because in the end, he gets buried, but he's got, like, he could die over and over again, but, oh, it's a nine lives thing with, like, a cat. You know what? Like, what if they had done, like, a thing where they had, like, he was buried alive, but he couldn't get out, so it doesn't matter if you're alive, so you'll just be living in a coffin the entire time. It's, it's like, that would have scared the hell out of me. That would have broken my poor, poor little... God, must have been like five or six, probably. Because this show, I forgot, got edited and put on syndication. So, although I was a small child, I've seen most of these episodes on sci-fi over and over when they would run marathons. And boy... Was I too young? I like watching it uncensored, you know? You, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. By the way, to take you back to the episode beforehand, it's very important that I tell you that the guy who played the killer Santa was the voice of Pops on Johnny Bravo. 
It was important oh to me that I relayed that to you. Oh my fucking god. You're welcome, friend. <laughs> Thank you. you. I appreciate that. I, I gotta tell you, I liked listening to, uh, I liked the performance that Joe Pantoliani, Aissimo Mioniodi gave me. He was, uh, pretty good. Also, the next one is, uh, Only Sin Deep, where, uh, Leah Thompson, was she in anything? Probably. Uh, <laughs> she, she dabbles with, uh, voodoo, and I was like, that's pretty cool, and, uh, she kind of changes her appearance and stuff like that, and, uh, ends up not working out for her. See, this show is kind of about ironic consequences for horror victims. Probably a good idea. I love ironic twists so much. Next one. Lover come hack to me. Hee <laughs> <love that> <laughs> uh, They have... Actually, I kind of I kind of like this episode just because it the fake out actually got me. Um, it's Amanda Plummer and Stephen Shellen and it's directed by the guy who did Fright Night and the Langoliers and Child's Play. <laughs> so fucked up you put Langoliers in there. Yeah. <laughs> How disrespectful of you. Oh yeah, how could we ever disrespect Fright Night? So, anyway. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> totally having a normal one online, like usual. I, it's nice that you watch newer movies, the ones that came out in the last ten years. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Lover can... Nerve of you. I'm gonna flip this fucking table over. So, Lover Come Hack to Me is about this guy who marries a woman very obviously for her money, and then he's like, okay, he was like, oh, you don't even love me, you don't even want to fuck me. He's like, okay, come on, let's make a fuck. And uh, they do, and apparently it is a really good time, based on the noises that they're both making. And uh, then anyway, she, in a dream sequence, she's killed him, and... Uh, he ends up as a ghost and she keeps seducing men and bringing them there and killing them. I, I thought that would have been a really good ending, but they go with a different route and it was, it was okay. I, I didn't hate it. Uh, next one. Collection completed. Uh, <laughs> which one? Oh, this fucking episode, man. Tell me how much you love M. Emmett Walsh right now. It's can, so good. Can M. Emmett Walsh be in every movie ever? He's so fucking good. I... I forgot just how good he is. It almost, you know, he could do a lot of different things, right? He's, he was in uh, Back to School. He was in, he was even in The Iron Giant. Did you know that he was in Iron Giant? He was in Serpico. He's been in Midnight Cowboy. He's been in all these different movies, but in this show, holy God, he's the most entertaining part of it. He is the most hateful, spiteful. How could you possibly be married to this man, ever? And I just love every single second of it. And, like, everything that he's bitching about. And this is, like, the stereotype of my dad. This is the way that I describe my dad to you, isn't it? <laughs> 40 years! <laughs> All I got to show for it's a watch. <laughs> it wasn't even a watch. It was just that stupid-looking hammer. Oh, God, it was the hammer. <laughs> I thought it was. I was like, there's no way they just gave him a stupid-ass hammer after he retired. There's a lot of time wasting in the episode, but I still love it. And you know what? It's a good ending, too. He stuffs all his animals and he gets stuffed himself. I can see why this ended up being in, like, uh, what, Vault of Horror number 25 or whatever. Okay, so moving on to season two. Season one just perfectly encapsulates what the show can be. Because you've got the Christmas one, which is just a straight-up slasher home invasion horror. You've got the collection completed, which is just an over-the-top, mean, dark comedy. It's just... I love this show so much. Yeah, and you can tell it's it, so, so the, it was doing this on purpose. It wasn't just like, oh, cheesy acting. No, 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 that's the idea. Um, 
Speaking of, we'll get to that for our feature film. Um, as for season two, which I moved on to. Now, here's a weird thing about season one. I'm looking at the, uh, looking at the release dates here, Parker. Uh, those first three episodes were done all back to back to back on the same day. Then you had to wait four days, and then seven days, and then seven more days for the other ones to come out. And then almost an entire year for season two. How could people have coped if they were like hardcore fans? Well, good news. Your wait was worth it for Dead Right, which stars, I'm not kidding here, Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> the second you see him in that fat makeup, you're like, is that... That was exact... Jeffrey Tambor? The entire time and I was looking for him, talking. and then as soon as I heard his voice, I was just like, holy shit. And I just was waiting for him to say, I have the worst fucking agents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's... This is uh, it's a pretty good episode. Actually, Demi Moore is really the draw of the episode. Jeffrey Tambor is obviously... Ooh, sleezing it up. But Demi Moore's the one who's actually a kind of a lot of fun to watch in that one. Uh, next up... Another great meme ending. Now, I haven't talked much about this. Uh, the Crypt Keeper is one of my favorite parts of the episode. You mentioned a while ago that the idea of having a host for this sort of thing is a really good idea. It's, it's like Elvira, you know? You like having a host. It's like introducing... It's like, it almost makes what you're about to watch a little bit more important, you know? Where it's like having a little buddy. It shows, look, we really do care about this. And the Crypt Keeper, look, I know he says cheesy things, but with that voice and the puppet and everything, and him wearing like, sunglasses, dress, dressing up as Santa, that's really cool. But it isn't the coolest. <laughs> what is the coolest thing you could possibly do in the year 1990? I'll answer for you. Arnold Schwarzenegger puts his arm around your bony shoulders. What in the world could be better? I don't even remember this episode. A rich elderly brother wants to impress a young woman and meets up with a doctor. Who oh, I remember this episode. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Arnold Schwarzenegger directed it. I, hallelujah. I love this. Next up. But the <clears throat> fact that that exists, and that's the sentence you can say, it's more important than the episode being good. Mm -hmm. you can say, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger directed an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Full stop. Yeah, that's fantastic. This episode is almost an hour long. We haven't got to the movie yet. <laughs> and you haven't Don't even care. talked about what you have, what you have watched lately. We're in the good stuff right exactly. now. Exactly. Real, real good stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next up. Because, man, this next episode. Oh, my God. Cutting cards. Two oh, rival gamblers face off in a series of gruesome games in order to see who will leave town when all is said and done. This is the most Tales from the Crypt episode yet. <laughs> Like that, if you want to show someone Tales from the Crypt, this is in that top three. Like, you'll understand. This is especially with the way it ends. Exactly. You get it. I, I still say the first episode is a lot better, but it's another Walter Hill one, and boy, that ending. It's just this is exactly what they were talking. This is it gets the feel of Tales from the Crypt better than a whole lot of these other ones because it's not so much about the horror; it's about again ironic consequences. There's an idea here. Um, next up... Lance Hendrickson being the most Lance Hendrickson humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And that says a lot. Next up is Till Death. Again, I love this this stuff with voodoo storylines. you got to read the book on Stranger Tides for more of these. So, uh, this is good, and i got to tell you, I love Pamela Jean in this. She's, like, one of the most entertaining parts of the episode. She keeps chasing after him as a skeleton, which, by the way, this feels like another very Tales from the Crypt episode, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The show starts to go off the rails a bit pretty late on, but these first, like, honestly, like, five seasons, there's a couple duds, but for the most part, it's just chef kiss, baby. Now, this is the last one I saw. I didn't get to the Miguel Ferrer one that you reviewed on the website, so that'll be my next one, but, uh, I saw Three's a Crowd. <laughs> it's 
so fucking mean. It is. This is, uh... How, how do I explain this? It's uh, the most ruthless ass, like... Get. My memory of this episode is like, ah, oh, this is alright so far, but... One thing you learn to accept, expect with Tales from the Crypt is like... And the guy's mad at his cheating whore wife. That becomes a thing a whole lot in the future. So I was like, yeah, this is all right. And then it ended in the meanest way possible. Yeah, that, boy, that ending is a punch to both balls. Like, first of all, can we talk about Gavin O'Herlihy in this episode? Oh my god. Perhaps. Fucking Irish Gary Busey. <laughs> I was going to say uh, paranoid Rucker Hauer. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You're right. First of all, why did she marry him? Why does he look like that? Is that, like, hair that people why used to have he, back uh, then? He sounds like a lizard. Uh, he bought you this, huh? Boy, Paul Lieber is really weird. <laughs> Paul Lieber is weird, too. Like, they're driving up to the cabin, and he's like, you know, you always got lucky as you got uh, Ruth DeSouza to marry you. But, you know, my biggest regret, and he puts his hand directly on her leg and says, is that I never stole her away from you. And Kevin O'Hurley just looks at me and goes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why wouldn't like, he be paranoid? The ending is so mean, but it's so over the top. <laughs> the lengths they go to. <laughs> that is a very shock suspense story sort of story. It is uh... <laughs> so uncalled for. Like, all right. So we could do, we can do this, or we can really do this. It was they chose the latter, and I didn't Fucking need to see her body afterwards. Balloons. I felt so bad. But the fact that each episode is bookended, not just the intro from the Crypt Keeper, but the bookend too, just like, well, what we learn, kids? That was ironic, huh? And then another pun and laugh. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I don't I even remember what his ending pun was. I, oh, I thought he said it was like, Now that's what I call dragging your wife to a party. <laughs> <laughs> They're always terrible, but they always leave you with a smile every time. They do. No matter how bad the episode is, it's ending with a smile and then that deliciously awesome intro music. Mm -hmm. Man, if I could... God, get... even the theme. That fucking... Oh, it's a good theme. That's a top yeah. five show intro. That's a very, very good show intro. By the way, him coming out scared me every single time as a child. Really? Even though I could time it exactly. I was a scared little pup. Scared by him barely being able to do weights. <laughs> every time that, Chad that needs fucking, to go help him out. Every time that coffin lid opened and his head popped out and he started laughing. Mm -mm. The little treat boy was scared. Oh, honey. Uh, Parker, what have you watched recently? Oh my goodness. I wish I'd watch a bunch of Tales from the Crypt. So, I started with the movie I was supposed to watch last week. <laughs> Oops. This Walter Hill guy might be onto something. Yeah. Because I watched a little indie flick called The Warriors, and it turns out it's pretty good. I love this pretty, movie so much. Pretty, pretty good. I love how it wastes no time getting you in the world. Like, you know, like, okay, this is the kind of movie it is. Exactly. The music and everything. Exactly. And I love that there's no, like... New York in the distant future. It's like, this could be whenever. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Don't try and place this in a point in time. There, this just exists. There's essentially one gun in the entire movie, and you can totally believe it. So fucking good. That, this will definitely get watched again. Oh yeah, it's even better on a rewatch, I swear. Next time it's at Alamo, I will be taking my fat tree boy ass up there to watch it. Now, I will contend that I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle is the greatest line in film history. It's it's real good. 
It's a hell lot. It's a hell of a lot better than whatever he says in Citizen Kane. Who cares? That movie sucks. It's a fucking sled. Who could possibly care? Garbage. <laughs> what else did you watch? So after that, uh, well, the lady and I sat down to watch a movie neither of us had seen in a while called American Psycho. And guess what? Still pretty great. That's about what I expected. Pretty, pretty great. A little less great, because you watching this movie, it's just this very, very specific look at this tiny subset of American culture and these awful rich people. It's like, oh, these are the people in charge now. <laughs> this isn't so funny anymore, because this person, our literal president is Patrick Bateman. So that's fun. But I'm curious, how do you interpret the ending? Do you think it happened? Yeah. Same. I don't like the there's a dream theory. Any movie where the theory is like, no, nah, it didn't happen, you can fucking keep it and throw it in the trash. Sometimes directors say they do it on purpose, like uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which, by the way, great movie. Ignore the rape scene. Never heard of it. <sighs> you can't, but I know. It's it's real out there. It ends in an opium den, and it's it's kind of like bookended by the opium den, so you could, you could kind of make the idea that it's like, oh, it was all a dream from, like, opium, but, like, Kind of, it kind of ruins the entire thing if you do that, you know. I do like that the director Mary Heron flat, flat out said like, "Oh no, you were supposed to think it was real. We just we kind of fucked it up, making it too ambiguous. You were absolutely supposed to think this happened." Which I appreciate because God, there's no bigger wet blanket in a movie conversation than. No, actually, my theory is that he just imagined all the killings. What? Then why'd I watch it? It really is the lamest shit in the world. Like when, and because the, usually the people who say this say they're really definitive about it. Like they'll say the same thing about uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was like, oh, it was all imagined yeah. by his friends. It's fucking dumb, dude. Like it's much funnier to imagine that this real estate agent found that room just full of corpses, and then just dumped them out, repainted it, and put it back on the market like a day later. That's a much funnier way to view it than go, well, clearly he couldn't have killed him because why would the house be for sale and where'd the bodies go? It's like... That's the whole goddamn point. It's like people it's watched so uh, fucking The Wizard of Oz. They're like, oh, it's the greatest twist of all time. Let's <laughs> just put it <laughs> in every <yourself>. movie. <laughs> what if I just didn't have an imagination? Speaking of not having an imagination... <laughs> Now, normally I skip over movies that I have nothing to say, but it's important that I mention, because I tweeted this, that I watched these slasher movies called The Collector in the Collection, <laughs> and it embodied why I love horror, because right there on the front of the DVD case, right above the title, from the twisted writers of Saw 4, 5, 6, and 7, <laughs> what other fucking genre would look at that and go like, yeah, that'll put butts in seats. <laughs> it's, it's so singular, this stupid fucking genre. Like, they wrote the four good Saw movies. <laughs> From the button-down mind of Alien Apocalypse 8. <laughs> God bless them. And you know what? People who watch Saw 4, 5, 6, and 7 would absolutely enjoy those movies. So you know what? What do I know? I should be in marketing. I watched a movie. Chris, you might be familiar with it. All right. It's about a man, a man named Jesus. Yes, I was, I was, I thought you forgot to watch it. Oh no, I watched it. So here's the thing. Okay. It's not for me. Damn. I get it. I respect it. It's well made. It's not for me, and that's fine. Not every movie has to be for me. I totally get why you love it. I saw your rating on Letterbox. I get it. Just not for me. What did I give it? Did I give it five stars or four and a half? I think you gave it four and a half. Yeah. 
I, uh, it's part of it, I've seen it like 20 times, but, uh... I had to watch it in two chunks, because the first time, I just was not feeling it. It's like, you know what? I just need to pause it and accept that, you know what? This is not a movie that's my style that I'm gonna dig. So come back later with a fresh start and just enjoy it for what it is. And I did. And, more importantly, so I grew up, I went to church a lot as a kid, you know, mm -hmm. Sunday school. Yeah. But once we got to the age where me and my little sister were out of Sunday school, church pretty much stopped. It was like, alright, you, you kids got this. Don't be a shitty person. Mm -hmm. You got this. Like, you, we don't have to go every week now. So basically, all my views of the crucifixion as a whole are what you would hear in Sunday school. Up until like three days ago, I did not know that Judas went and hung himself. Hang. So I went on a... <laughs> Very important to me. I will do that every time. So as I was saying, I didn't know that. So it sent me down a very, very deep Wikipedia rabbit hole reading about this. So you know what? I learned something this week. And that's more important than anything else. I took the time after watching As Above, So Below, <laughs> fucking found footage horror movie, and read about Jesus being crucified. So I got a real roller coaster. So I'll take it that you've never actually watched The Passion of the Christ, huh? And you say you like horror, though. <laughs> it's probably the goriest movie I've ever seen in theaters. That was not going to be a theatrical visit for this guy. <laughs> that, my, dude, there's, my mom there's never been a time hanging at home. It's like, alright, I got the day off of work. What if I watch a man get beat with a cat of nine tails for an hour and a half? Oh, that's one of the hardest parts to watch. Yeah, that movie is... Uh... I mean, I'm sure I will eventually just have it. I considered it, but I, I considered it this week after watching Jesus Christ Superstar. Speaking as the only Catholic on this podcast, it's not worth watching The Passion. Jesus Christ Superstar, I'm going to write about that one because I really, I love the music. Um, I love, I love the acting, especially by Ted Neely. I did not love the music one bit. Whoa, I... That was the biggest hang-up early on. I was like, I hate this music. Holy sh... I'm actually shocked. I like every single song I in it. hated it, so... I mean, I did the responsible thing. I stopped. I got a good chunk in, and I stopped. Like, you know what? I will come back tomorrow. It's the kind of thing we'll talk about when we get to Twin Peaks later. But it's like, we reset my expectations and come back. Sometimes that's important, yeah. I'm gonna feel like a real dick if I watch this movie Chris loves and go, Nah, it was shit. I hated it. Oh, it was fucking you garbage. mean like what I did with Krampus? Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you and fuck this movie. <laughs> What, you, how did you feel about the scene with the tank? A lot of questions. <laughs> I, that was the scene. It was like I could buy a whole lot. I could suspend my disbelief a real far away. When the tank comes, every single time I turned my dad, I was like, "Why? Why was there a tank?" And Dad's like, "I don't remember that part of the Bible." <laughs> now I have a question for you. Did you make me watch this just for the musical number with the principal from Billy Madison? Was that Barry Donnan? How much did that factor in do you make me watch this movie? That big, thick, curly-haired man. Oh, that. Oh. Just gallivanting around. Okay. That's, That's pretty high up there, isn't Not it? the best song in the movie, I have to admit. Uh, no. But how much did that play into you going, you know what, he needs to see this. <laughs> Actually, I, I kind of prefer the original Broadway version of that song, but that, that whole scene is just really funny to me. It looks like something from... Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, what else did you watch? <laughs> Let's see. So I mentioned As Above, So Below. I'm only going to mention it because 
there's a small subset of people like me who enjoy found footage horror movies. And uh, it's not nearly as jump scary as I thought it would be, because that's what most of them are. Just cheaply made jump scares. But instead, it, it takes place in real life catacombs, and it's a really cool looking set. It did a good job of building tension. It is perfectly fine, which is like a fucking five star review for 90% of found footage movies. So after that, I watched another Vincent Price movie, you? our dear sweet Vincent, yes. called The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Man, <laughs> that is a weird fucking movie. <laughs> just just do me a favor, just type that in and take a gander at that there poster, because it is, it is fucking weird. Like, I want to describe it, but the less you know, the better you'll enjoy it, because... Man, man, man. I love Vincent Price more than I love most things on this earth. I, he, you know, he's, he's fun. He is the best part of the uh, feature film. Correct. One might say the only good part of this feature film. And the one thing that was keeping me going. Exactly. Hey, more Vincent Price. He's on screen. I can uh, look away from my phone. <laughs> oh, second monitor here. <laughs> But the brief thing in Dr. Fives is, so he's this fucking insane guy, because he's Vincent Price in a horror movie, and his wife gets in an accident and dies, so he takes it upon himself to hunt down the people involved in her dying during that surgery and murdering them according to the plagues of Egypt. Okay. So do with that what you will. <laughs> it's fucking weird. It's got some really grotesque shit. It is on YouTube. Huh. How about that? Could have saved a couple dollars. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. And you watch this instead of the 1958 version of The Fly. That's fine. Yeah, I realized when you mentioned The Fly, like, oh yeah, I forgot to download that. For next week. The last thing I watched, as you know, we're recording on Monday. Yesterday was Mother's Day. God so bless. what better way to celebrate Mother's Day than with a good boy who loves his mother? My sweet, sweet Norman Bates, who loves Mother so, so much. Now, Parker, I know you don't often mention her on the podcast, but... For her own safety. Yes. She doesn't need to be involved in I this. understand, but you're telling me she never saw Psycho? Not only did she not know the twist, but she's seen, like, two seasons of the Bates Motel prequel show, so she had that whole level of their relationship coming into this movie. What? It was so... So exciting for me. Oh my god. Just knowing that, that she's watched two seasons of Little Norman Bates and Mother, and just their weird closeness, just looking at her going like, oh, you don't even fucking know. You don't even fucking know what's coming. I mean, she guessed it like 30 seconds before it happened, but come on. We all did. Yeah, but you know what? For me, I. I... How did she like the? Did she appreciate how the movie, like for the time that came out, and how important it was for movies as a whole? Yes, I, I very much uh, actually heard. <laughs> Good, thank you. Because <laughs> I couldn't be there to do it. I know her taste. I'm not going to put on a movie from 1960 unless I think there's an important reason to. So I guess she didn't watch Jesus Christ Superstar with you. That was on the old computer. Damn. It. I took one look at that and went like, Oh, she will leave the room. I bet she would have liked the music. I bet not. Because I know music she listens to and it's not that. But friend, it's time to talk about Twin Peaks. Yes! 
Swinging Peaks again has arrived, my friend. <laughs> Our new podcast. Now, as I've told you before, I tried to watch this once before, and it was a case of just not knowing what I was in for. My expectations were not set. All I knew was David Lynch show, this horror masterpiece. So it's one night, we're, you know, we're laying down, we have work the next day, so it's kind of late-ish, kind of winding down. And we turn on this hour and a half long 1990 TV soap opera. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is not what I thought this was going to be at all. So it just did not work. It just hung out there, you know, while you're getting ready. Got about got about 45 minutes in, and are like, you know what? We'll come back to this. Mm-hmm. This is... This is clearly not working. There's a reason people have been talking about this show for 20 years. Let's come back to it. And then, as I do with most TV, I did not come back to it. Oh, yeah. This because, is just like me. Because you know with me me with TV, that shit will just get canceled on you, as many people learn this week. <sighs> shit will just disappear. That's why I stick to movies, because I've never been an hour into a movie had someone come in and go, Nah, you're not getting the ending. <laughs> fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Oh, I wish I had done that for a couple movies I've seen. Same. So you know, it's like you know what? I'll Imagine if they did that for Transformers Five. Oh, I, I would have hugged whoever said that. <laughs> Ran out of money. Sorry, and just turns into the end of Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> Future episode. So I actually written down like near the end of last year that one of the things I wanted to accomplish this year was to sit down and watch Twin Peaks, especially since season three came out and wasn't a complete fucking train wreck. Because that was the thing. We were going to watch it and then watch season three as it premiered. But there's always that thing of like, you know, a lot of things get brought back a decade later and are trash. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing you we waited. Should, maybe we should just power through a season two that fans of the show already don't like for something that might be total trash. I will defend season two for you. I'm excited. But then again, I also so, defended you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. Look how that turned out. Look, it's okay to not like a movie. Friend. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. No, I know you know. No. I know you know. No, trust me, I'm very so good at not liking first, things. So the first time last year, we got 45 minutes in, and like, you know what, we'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. And we watched the first three episodes in one sitting without stopping. So you know what? Pretty good so show. So it ties you back in. Now, I, I gotta ask, uh, how does the third episode end? That's the one yes. where yep. we yeah, first okay. see we the sweet little man <laughs> talking backwards, and we look at each other like... Uh, we have to work tomorrow, but what if we called in? That's see, that's the exact thing here. Is as soon as you see that, that's when you realize what kind of show this is. The first two episodes, you're like, oh, okay, this is like the frame of this where it takes place. These are the characters. When you see that little dancing man say, "Let's rock," like that's what I'm talking about. Finally, like, a show okay, that gets now, me. Now we're in. This is what I was promised. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see the little man again. And beyond that, I will not dare give you any spoilers. What's great for me is that the movie podcast Now Playing that I've been listening to for about six years now did a spinoff called Now Peaking where they did every single episode, like an hour on each episode, plus every single of the official books. We're getting deep in it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. real deep in it, son. Now, that's the thing is, uh, I'm warning you about the horror, is uh, Alex was right when when she said it's not a pure horror thing. In fact, there's, I would argue there's rather little horror in it. But when it does decide to go full horror, there are some scenes that it's it's the scariest stuff that's ever been on television, period. As far as I'm concerned. Straight up, I think it's episode two. You know, it's just a standard-ass soap opera. 
And then it jump cuts to Bob at the foot of her bed, and we both jump back like, holy shit, what is that? How do you know who that is? I know what things are. Damn it. Yeah, I... I she doesn't, don't I worry. I was really hoping that you did not know who that is, so you could Look, learn later on. If I could... I've absorbed enough things through osmosis I, of being a big, fat horror loser Yeah, no, I just know these things. Part of the fun of that is that was just, like, the set designer or whatever, and he was kind of caught there, yeah. and they're like, hey, how about we get a shot of that? It looks really creepy. We'll use it later on. He is one of the best parts of the entire show. So when he comes back, I'm, I'm, holy moly, you will have nightmares. Well, I'm aware, like, I know the foreign version that has the little, the couple scenes added to the first episode, which is, boy, <laughs> that's a quick way to wrap up a movie. Boy, I really wish that, oh, yeah, it is. I kind of wish Hey, it's it me, the one-armed guy. He's he's in the basement. <laughs> All right. I, I kind of wish that my brother. Oh, my God, I just remembered there was someone else in her room this morning. <laughs> I kind of wish that my brother was here for this podcast because my brother actually hates the first season, whereas everyone loves it. Uh, And I think he kind of likes it the second season. He's like, this is just so bizarre. I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. But like, as soon as the first character, as soon as Jack Nance says, she's dead, wrapped in plastic. My brother's like, I hate that guy. Immediately, I I can't stand (laughs) that guy. (laughs) Just everyone else, just, he hates almost everybody. Yo, the fucking... I wish I was... God, I wish I was on the couch next to you when I was watching this. Because, like, in the high school, that guy closes his oh, uh, his locker and dances away. Dude, I was looking down. She made me rewind it. <laughs> she was like, I can't explain. Just go back. But, yeah, like, that first episode, there's just a lot of overacting and crying. It's like, oh, this is not what I thought this was going to be. For, for as, Well, that's the thing is I also grew up in a very small town. If Jacqueline Arona had died... That's exactly how my town would have reacted. And like I told you, I could not name ten people from my graduating <laughs> class. We live very different lives. Jeez. <laughs> also because I was a fat loser. But that's not important. That's not important. My graduating story. class had maybe 200 people. 1,200. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Yeah, a nightmare. Uh, Having anxiety is very regular in my high school. <laughs> Just stand in front of the goddamn stairs all day. It's fine. Not looking at the ground trying to get to class in a hurry, because if I get there too late, I'll have to sit up front. I'm regular. You probably had fucking tryouts for your football team. We took anyone who felt like joining. Our football team went like four straight seasons recently undefeated, and now I think he's starting at either Oklahoma or Alabama. Our team is real good. Our football and wrestlers do not fuck around. Yeah, I know. Bo Nickel. God. <laughs> then, I've shown you our obnoxious state. <laughs> yes, you have. I love it. It's like the size of a small college team. <laughs> God. Texas is real cool, you guys. It's bigger than my colleges. I'm not kidding. Dumb state. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, as much time Twin as Peaks. you could spend on Tales from the Crypt, I could probably spend twice as long on Twin Peaks. I'm just happy, because you know me, like, I've... I'm very much start and stop. That's why I stick to movies, because you're in and you're out. 90 minutes. I'm very start and stop when it comes to TV shows, so I'm glad that this is now on the record, and I have to finish it for content's sake. Mm-hmm. And I will say this about season two, but that by the time you get there, yes, there are some very bad moments. There are some moments where it's just like, this should not have been allowed on this show, because it's just pointless. However, it also has some of the best moments of the show, and some of my favorite moments in in like TV history. Like even if I don't like a majority of it or I come away negative on the show, at some point I need to know Twin Peaks if I'm going to take this seriously. 
I can't take being a horror fan and writing stuff seriously if I've never seen fucking Twin Peaks. Again, this is not a pure horror show. This is really more of a mystery. <laughs> a genre. There you go. <laughs> a man who loves scandal and affairs and cheating. Oh, I'm yeah, so there's excited. a whole... I think everyone's so fucking excited. with everyone in this town. <laughs> I mean, I can't say, like, yeah, who could care about that stuff when I'm just looking at my calendar like, when do we have an opening for the Jersey Shore episode? <laughs> <laughs> I've survived a mid-2000s of nothing but reality TV and rock of love celebrity. <laughs> like, I'm fucking locked in for this nonsense. Oh, my God. Can you I'm imagine sure if we got the cast of show? Jersey Shore on this, on this podcast? Oh, my God. Pauly D. What did you think of Doctor Strange? It's a pretty serious situation. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the situation being sober makes me really need to jump on the season <laughs> like yesterday. I'm pretty sure my mom watched Twin Peaks live, like, because this came out what 1990. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's where I was born. She's probably just sitting at home, shushing me to sleep so she could watch Twin Man. Time for some real conversations. I mean, exactly. You should definitely talk to her about it. Be like, hey, what were your thoughts on that? My parents loved it, and my aunt used to put on the music, like, and listen to the theme song on repeat. Jesus. <laughs> That'll fucking haunt you. And, and you put that on, grab your scary stories and tell in the dark, you're in for a spooky sleepover. Uh, you listen to some of the songs on there aren't spooky, but some of them are very definitely very spooky it used to drive my uncle nuts it's like the same song it's like in fact actually uh, tying this into a movie that I watched is uh, Final Sacrifice one of their first riffs is like where it shows all the trees Tom Sermon just goes bow 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 that song's really good by the way oh yeah no arguments here I, re I remember my brother really hated uh, the nightclub singer Julie Cruz oh Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Tell him he's not alone. Holy Christ. I She was about to throw a fucking hole in her wall. Like, Just stop fucking singing. How long is this song? Oh, she was also kind of a bitch. Uh, so she's recording her song, and in the control booth is uh, David Lynch, and he's telling her how to sing it. He's like, uh, no, you gotta do it like this. And he keeps making her do take after take after take. She gets mad. She throws her chair through the glass in the control booth, and he goes through the door, goes right up to her, sticks his finger in her face, and he says, now cut that out. And he walks away. And, she was like, and then next take, she sang it perfectly. <laughs> I'm so happy he exists. Mm -hmm. Now, her her songs are really in the genre that you would call dream pop, and there's a song oh, yes. that I know it doesn't really do it for me either. But there's a song later on; it's in season two that she sings, and it's she's not exactly easy on the eyes, but the song is actually surprisingly pretty decent. And of course, it leads into like the best moment of the entire series. It's perhaps the most tragic thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I know... Well, the thing is, like, I know bits and pieces about what happens later, but there's so many characters. Like, I've heard spoilers, but I could... At that point, I didn't know who any of these people were, so the names were lost. So I know events that happen, kind of. Do you know who the killer is? But I... I might. I mean... Maybe not. <laughs> the fact that I told you I know who Bob is and you asked if I know who the killer is makes me think, I guess not. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No. Oh, I know about Firewalk with me. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. But also, just hearing about that was so goddamn convoluted without knowing anything about Twin Peaks. Not much of that has stuck Have with I me. told you about Firewalk with me? About my experience with it? 
remember you watched the very, very, very long version and were not a fan oh, of Oh, yeah, I hated that version. I, I told my friend who's a hardcore Twin Peaks fan, I was like, no, the movie's actually good. And I'm like, no, dude, it was terrible. It kept on going. And he's like, no, there's only one version of it. I was just like, wait, hold up. And we looked it up, and there are different versions. I watched this shitty version. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really want to go back and watch the other version just because I had such a bad experience with it. Yeah, it's just kind of like a Criterion release late last year, so I'll probably pick it oh, up. Oh yeah, I'll pay $60 for a fucking DVD. <laughs> yeah. Criterion can suck my dick sometimes. They have a lot of classic movies, like Chasing Amy. <laughs> That's always funny, I'm sorry. <laughs> they do. I don't understand. I, I think, actually, Alex is the one who has, I think, oh, what, all the Janice movies or something like that? I don't know, she can clarify later on. But uh, there's a bunch of classic movies on there, and most of them are really good, but there's also La Ventura, which is well known as perhaps the most boring movie ah. ever made. Pet Detective. I'm a fan. <laughs> so, Thomas. <laughs> it's when nature calls. Anyway, so, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. A real movie that exists, apparently. Yeah. Now, Alex recommended this to us. So, we're going to put and, the blame on her. And Alex is not here, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, Parker, a while ago, back when I was writing more consistently for the site, still writing for it, by the way, um, I, uh, that makes one of us. Yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of got an idea. I was like, hey, how about a gimmick? How about I reboot? How about I review movies with like really stupid titles, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. How about a movie like Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine? <sighs> nah. I, um, so this movie has Vincent Price in it. He's, he's a good actor. Look, at the end of the day, I saw a Vincent Price movie I had not seen before, and that's what I will take away from it. Yeah, well, movie is who, an odd term. I would say movies. Kind of feels like there is a lot of Vincent Price movies in here. Oh, yeah. I can frame it. I can do a lot of mental gymnastics. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows. Boy. Oh boy. But my whole family and I watched at least the first two Austin Powers movies oh, yeah. about a thousand times. <laughs> like it's Austin Powers, Austin Powers 2, Wayne's World, Ace Ventura 1. Those four, if I called my mom right now, she could start quoting any of them. Like those were on constantly in our house. Your house rules. <laughs> so, so knowing that this movie is basically the inspiration for Austin Powers, it's like, you know what? I'm happy I saw it. Like, for something that meant so much to my whole family. Like, I could text mom, dad, and my little sister, and we could just riff on the lines from the movie for hours, like you and I could do with MST3K. Yeah. So, seeing this, that basically inspired that, okay. I've seen worse movies on oh, here. Oh, yeah, that it's subtle, but no you can value. see the influence here. Like, I got more out of watching this than I got out of fucking Bright, I'll tell you yeah, that much. Okay, good point. This... I said in the group chat that this movie sucks, and I don't actually think it sucks. I was trying to be funny. It's not for me, but it's definitely... I wouldn't even call it a bad movie. It's its fine, you know? Um, I don't know what kind of person would laugh at this movie. Uh, this movie tells a lot of jokes, Parker. You yeah. know how much I like slapstick? I do. How much did you laugh at? I like? didn't laugh at the slapstick in this movie because it wasn't funny. Um, I, I like I like attractive women in bikinis. I um, 
but not in this movie. See, the problem with this movie is that the concept is pretty much James Bond meets one of those summer beach party movies. Oh, yeah. There is no part of me that ever wants to see a 60s summer beach movie, and I have zero fondness for the old James Bond movies. I've seen maybe one Connery Bond movie. I have zero reverence. Jeez, I hope it was from Russia with Love. That's my favorite one. Pretty sure it was. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, they do those marathons, they all just kind of melt together. They really do. It all becomes the same 14-hour movie. So... So, no shit. It's Father's so it's Day Marathon. Two thing. <laughs> it's two different genres that I have no reverence for whatsoever put together. So it's just, it's not for me. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, I could appreciate it for what it is, but it is absolutely not for me. Oh. But it's a movie I would have never, ever, ever seen without this show. So God bless. Well, Parker, if you haven't seen Goldfinger, then you don't get the references. You oaf, you piece of shit, you fucking moron. You don't understand the fucking great references in this movie. I am a lumbering oaf and a fool. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I know that Austin Powers was essentially a love letter from Mike Myers to his dad. Like, those three movies are full of his daddy issues come out to bear. Yeah. So, watching this and knowing that young Mike Myers, a man who made many movies, me and my family treasure, not including Shrek, <laughs> probably watched this movie over and over again with his dad back in Canada as a wee little lad. Like, you know what? I can get something out of that. Well, the thing I, I will say is that, that I think uh, Mike Myers did comedy a lot better in Austin Powers. Shocker there. You don't say. But it's some, that's the thing is a lot of people criticize the first Austin Powers movie for being not as funny as I thought it was. Fucking look at Goldfoot. I am terrified to revisit it. I have so many fond memories. I do not want to ruin it. Look, you know what? I bet if I revisited it, I'd laugh at least five times watching the original Austin Powers. At least the, uh... Wait, was Austin Powers or Austin Powers 2 the one with the silhouette scene? Uh, That's probably all of them. I think... But I can guarantee... I know the third one had one. (laughs) Who does number two work for will still make me laugh. (laughs) That that is a good moment, yes. Show that turtles, boss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from England. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he just walks off. <laughs> That's a good Beat movie. over the you head with an ugly stick is a great line. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over the poker scene. And I'll focus on the blackjack scene. I also like to live dangerously. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it is a really good movie. <laughs> oh, dude. A lot of vagina was the hottest woman when I was a kid. That boy. She was on that... Stratus level. As we the family grew older, that scene became progressively more uncomfortable. I, the older I, got. I bet <laughs> there were a lot of come to Jesus moments. It's like y'all let me watch what? <laughs> like that realization, like oh, there's just a sex scene in the middle of Ace Ventura for some reason that we watched on hundreds of road trips. Fucking Ace Ventura begins with a blowjob scene. Yeah, that was just on every time we drove to Florida to see our extended family. You better believe that Ace Ventura VHS was going along on the ride. You better believe it. It just opens with them getting blown. <laughs> How about I take your pants off with my movie. teeth? Uh, Mom. <laughs> Mommy, what are they doing? <laughs> Actually, the real opening... The second one opens with a fucking monkey dying. What is... 90s... Actually, I gotta admit, the, the actual opening of Ace Ventura is one of my favorite openings to any <laughs> movie ever. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, for what what other jokes do I love in Austin Powers? I love Seth Green actually. He's Seth Green's actually good. Yeah, he's he's actually pretty damn funny. 
except in without a paddle. Anyway, uh, God. future episode. Yeah, probably. There were definitely scenes in Doctor Goldmember, which is what I'm assuming it was called. Mm-hmm. That like immediately made me think of some very specific Austin Power scenes. Like obviously the Fembots. Yeah, that's fairly obvious. But the very very end of the movie, spoilers, guys. When they drive off the cliff, <laughs> all I could think of was Will Ferrell's character in the sequel just driving off the cliff. <laughs> I think that was like a direct thing, yeah. Like, man, I haven't thought of that scene in probably 10, 15 years. Now, I want to talk about that scene right now. Uh, <laughs> what a fucking ending. Now, if you watch more uh, uh, James Bond movies like I do... You can see the way that the final villain, or any villain really, the way that they're dispatched is awfully, is, well, I'll, I'll be honest here. It's actually surprisingly gruesome, especially for the era. Like, 1962 was Dr. No, and the way that people get dispatched in these movies is pretty fucking violent, and I kind of like that. And it's like, think about, like, the that guy's head getting eaten at the end, of, in the middle of uh, the third act of Austin Powers 1. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that which, by the oh, way, leads ahead in life. Chris. That, I fucking love that scene. I don't know why. <laughs> you know what? Now I remember the intro to Gold Member with Danny DeVito as Mini Me. You know what? Those movies are good. That cracked my data. Anyway, that's that's good shit. The the way that they take care of uh, Doctor Goldfoot in this movie with him driving off the cliff in the jeep and yelling out, uh, "Igor, you idiot!" And then, first of all, this is the target. Caught that one. And then he gets blown up with an ICBM. <laughs> get fucking murked. Look. So bad. I didn't, they get fucking airstrike like someone got a kill. I didn't laugh, points. but I had a big old schoolboy grin on my face. So I wouldn't say I laughed, but I smiled a couple times. There's some there's some good pratfalls early on when I was still warm to the movie. This movie, if this was like an hour long, I'd be I'd be a lot better off with yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. Ninety minutes is like I was able to like you know what this is kind of charming and cute for the time but about 45 minutes I was like we need to start wrapping this up well I mean I, I there's a lot of good stuff to say tell you what I'll, I'll tell you this A. Vincent Price he's a oh, uh, can we talk about how he's introduced pl- oh please take it away so we've got all this plot going on and who could possibly care it's fine whatever and then we go into this underground lair and then out of the shadows are these little gold genie babies <laughs> with little bells on them like a kitty cat. And then out comes Vincent Price just roasting Igor for being a complete trash-ass moron. And that goes on the entire movie. Every time Vincent Price is on screen, he is ethering his fucking lumbering oaf as an assistant. Now, we have to ask... It's pretty good. Do, we have to ask, do you think they have a relationship like the Romans had with like their little page boys, you know? I would hope so. Yeah, you know? They both deserve I some. I would bottom for Vincent Price. Please raw me from beyond the grave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what I thought I'm was... I'm so happy my family will never ever listen to these. Yeah, that's definitely... Yeah. <laughs> but like I think about this and number 11 who is the main girl of the movie was played by an actress remember, whose name I do all not the remember. women all the women aren't humans and also they're just numbers yeah the way it the ought to be the 60s were very regular <laughs> yeah this movie was recommended to us by a woman huh traitor to her own kind yeah it sounds like she's not a true feminist like we are anyway 
Uh, <laughs> Alex, in the future... We will protect number yeah, 11 at all Alex, costs. we try to respect women on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> number 11, getting back to her, I was really impressed with her different accents throughout the movie. I, I'm kind of a sucker for voices, and she her just throwing on all these different voices, that really entertained me. I was just like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder what she's going to do this time. Oh, it's another American accent. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, there are... Like I said, I didn't laugh, but I wrote down a couple of things that made me smile. Like Igor getting the shit beat out of him by a robot and just saying, I wish I were dead again. That's good. That's something I would write if I made this stupid well, It was movie. immediately ruined by the way he got up and immediately fell back down. It was just like, ugh, all these things. Well, um, I'm just saying, when it comes to movies where someone makes robots that are just named numbers... I prefer Dragon Ball Z, but that's fine. Different strokes for different folks. Good point. Um, I like the huge like feather the, pen that's going to go on my I desk like when way, I get the studio. I like the way that everyone dances like a Johnny Bravo character, or that Vincent Price says laboratory. There's things to like. It's mostly Vincent Price. Yeah, mostly Vincent Price. You know, you talk about references. I could be wrong, considering this is another movie I'm not really fond of. But, uh... Rocky Horror Picture Show. You think it was influenced by this? I think so. There's no way it wasn't. Yeah, there's a... Because it's something Alex said at one point, or maybe it was you, I, I don't remember. Um, if any other scientist is in this movie, he's not making this fucking bikini machine to take over the world. He's just going to use it to entertain himself with these beautiful women. Oh, no, that was her. Oh, that yeah. was a good take. I'll give credit. Yeah, that's... Actually, no, it sounds like something I would say. Yeah, it does, kind of. But that's the thing. I thought, yeah. well, who else? Like... What, a, what if it was Dr. Frankenfurter? I'd be like, oh, yeah, he would use it to make, like, a guy. And then like, oh, oh, wait, that was the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> he just made a dude. I've been making a man with long hair and a tan. Man, that a is a third of a okay. great movie. What, Rocky Horror? That is that is three songs of a very good movie, <laughs> and then the rest of it. Yeah, I have to tell you, I'm not as big into Rocky Horror as everyone else. <laughs> That's another movie my mom loves. I had a weird childhood. Yeah. Mom loved Rocky Horror and listening to Howard Stern. I learned a lot of things very young that I shouldn't. Why have. is your mom my That's dad? Fine. It's fine that I just know knew these things but didn't understand the context. I was very confused for a long time. Now the other thing about this movie that I I actually genuinely appreciated is you can tell everyone had fun making this. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I wish I had as much fun doing literally anything in my life. As Vincent Price has making movies like this. Except for maybe the uh, women who weren't number 11. They looked all kind of sorry, like, oh yeah, put on the damn bikini for you. But everyone else is just like making these weird googly eyes at the camera. Number 11 is clearly having the time of her life. And Vincent Price is just Vincent Pricing it up. He, he Every scene ends with him basically delivering either a roast or an aside to the camera and then staring at it like he's fucking ferris bueller i love it so much i love it i love him i love you i just um, all i'm reminded of is uh the fucking headley lamar in blazing saddles he's like now how would i get this done and he's looking at the camera but why am i asking you (laughs) it's a great scene i love that movie like i love everything that goes on in their fucking underground lair where they go down into like a dungeon which is basically the way that our fucking studio should look like, they just go downstairs an hour into this movie, and then they just have the set from the pit and the pendulum, and he's wearing the costume from the movie. I googled it like, wait a second, there's no way. Yep, he's just 
wearing that costume from a different horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I love this because Alex texted me while I was watching it, oh, you just don't like it because you don't get all the references. This is after seeing the two pictures of Vincent Price from two other movies, The Fall of the House <laughs> so of Usher good. and something else. And she texted me right as soon as it gets to the pit in the pendulum scene. I'm like, yeah, I, I, maybe these references are just too subtle for me. I'm just not we getting it. An- hour of this movie cutting to him sitting in a fucking 1960s budget James Bond lair and then he just takes him downstairs into what's essentially a haunted crypt I mean and that's where like the next 15 minutes takes place I mean Parker you know how much I hate references to other things that I have seen I do yeah I know how much you love Ready Player One's The Iron Giant I was going to make a joke about how they keep running into, uh, I, how I thought they were going to run into TV's Frank and Dr. Forrester in the underground lair, but I hate references to other things, you know, I don't, Same. I don't understand it. Now, the more I watch this, Parker, you said you listened to a lot of metal growing up, let me quiz you about something. If you okay. were to tell me what kind of movies Rob Zombie watched growing up, would you have said oh this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Rob Zombie just watched this and Carnival of Souls on repeat for like an entire weekend and it broke his tiny brain. I think all he ever watched were like those really old like grindhouse horror movies and this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like you could tell that is a guy who loves freaks and I spit on your grave and shit like that. Oh, trust me. I've seen his movies. He absolutely loves all of these things. Yeah. There is, I would bet everything I own that at one in at least one of his music videos, his wife has been dressed up like one of these characters. I think it, I would bet everything I Wait own. a second, I think she does that in all his music videos. <laughs> Alright, we're going to take a quick break and watch Dragula. We'll be back. <laughs> oh, now I know how I'm ending the episode. Oh, speaking of music that everyone loves, uh, the Supremes are in here. Great. Also, there's. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, the opening of the movie with uh, number 11 going along and just kind of being weird. It's just being goofy. And uh, someone shoots her and uh, she survives because she's a robot and then the milk spurts out of her. <sighs> I will say, I did appreciate how that's just how we start. Yeah. Because I was terrified. I was like, alright, how long are we going to spend? Admit, it's not a bad opening. How are we going to see him develop the robots? How many failures are there going to be? No, she's just walking down the street and gets shot. And you're like, okay, she's a robot. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of obviously here's what's going to go on. And then she... And then she says things like, I do declare. I reckon I'm taking care of you, silly boy. And then she calls him Honey Child. It's like, oh, this, movie, this movie might be all Yeah, right. no wonder. Imagine, oh, she had done a Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, do it. I know you I'm want to. I'm not going to do it. Anyway, do no, it. I'm not going to channel your not dad. doing it. Anyway... My dad doesn't even have a Boston accent. My uncles do. I'm not going to do it. I don't, can I, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of old movies, my experience with all 60s screwball comedies is that the main character is an incel who stutters when a woman's in a bikini around him. Am I correct? I wouldn't know what that's like. But anyway, at the beginning of the movie, yeah, me neither, when they get to his apartment and they're just rolling around on his Murphy bed, and, <laughs> and she keeps saying, I think I love you. You hear her say that like a million times. and makes me want to put a power drill in my ears. Uh, I, have to under, I have to tell you, Parker, speaking as someone who's been in that situation a lot with an amorous, beautiful woman in a bikini just all over me telling me she I'm loves fine. me, I can, cool. this movie's very relatable. Nice. Bless you. Yeah, I relate it a lot. <laughs> I relate so every night before relate. bed. <laughs> 
Uh, that's the only way to keep the demons at bay. <laughs> Get the poison out so you can function. Exactly. Um, can I say no. that I loved the end of this movie and not just because it was over? You know, actually, that was a pretty good ending. It was it was alright. Because, let's be honest, none of you are going to watch this, and that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, Vincent Price and Igor drive off a cliff and get just decimated by missiles. Mm-hmm. And then we go to some time later, and they're on a plane, our heroes whose names I did not write down and will not look up. And uh, wouldn't you know it, there's number 11. And then he cuts to a shot of the pilot's cabin, and Igor <laughs> Vincent Price... <laughs> cackling like a madman like as loudly as possible (laughs) and then it just says the end question mark and by the way so I read that originally that had all these musical numbers and got cut out yeah I would not have made it through this movie if it had a bunch of 60s musical that's a shame because uh, except for Vincent well that's the thing is uh, Vincent Price said it would have been a lot more fun if they had had the musical numbers in there and I'm willing to agree with him I would absolutely watch Vincent Price sashay around an evil lair and scene. I think it depends. Uh, but it's the rest of the movie I'm concerned about. Yeah, see, you don't like musicals. Uh, but Correct. I, Except South Park, apparently. That's a good musical, though. Um, <laughs> if it's like a musical musical, like it's a song that tells a story sort of thing, I'm into it. But if it's like... If it's like one of those songs that they use in all those MST movies where it's just, ah, the teens are rocking to the tunes, like... <laughs> I, I can't do those. Those are awful. Those hurt me deeply. <laughs> it always has some blonde in a one-piece swimsuit that the director thought was really hot, but really she looks like a pro wrestler. <laughs> I mean, literally every character in this movie is doing the monkey, and I don't appreciate it. Well, like, I just know this. Like, You have all these beautiful women there dancing around, and they could they would have had some like woman in a one-piece that looks like Corey Schlesinger. <laughs> Man... It's how That's it always happens. <laughs> <laughs> Flash from the past. That wasn't right for that. It's 2 a.m. You just dropped that on me. Oh, boy. Woo. Oh, my stars. <laughs> talk about brainworms. <laughs> oh. oh, just tilling the soil every night for the worms to take this root. This fullback from the early 2000s <laughs> in my movie with Vincent Price. Uh... <laughs> Very regular brains here. Mm-hmm. So this movie was not on any of the lists I saw on Letterboxd or on uh, I Check Movies. So it was basically a waste of my fucking time. What was the point of any of this? <laughs> I didn't get to check off his shit. <laughs> my autism I'll is so unchecked. I'm going to have to watch like a 1948 version of The Three Musketeers. I want to watch so much more Vincent Price. Oh, I do too, I just, yeah. I want to get deep in some of those Edgar Allan Poe adaptations oh. and just just get in some haunted castles, y'all. I'm ready for mm-hmm. it. If you want a movie that uh, Vincent Price was in, I would recommend. Well, actually, it's a tough one. Have you ever heard of The Thief and the Cobbler? Yes. Uh, it's an animated movie. It was directed by the guy who did the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit and uh, that really fucked up Raggedy Ann movie. And oh my god, yeah, Jesus. remember that. Unfortunately. Yeah. The animation in The Thief and the Cobbler is spectacular. This is some of the trippiest stuff you're ever going to see, and it's really, really well done. Uh, unfortunately, it also spent a long-ass time in development hell, and he just couldn't get the money for it. And then the completion bond company bought it out, and they completed it. It was terrible. They got Vincent Price's lines, and it, he's he rhymes everything for some reason. 
I don't, I don't get what it. you want. You, if you watch the, it's called the Recobbled Cut, and you might be able to find it on YouTube. It's actually really good, and they fill it in with like some of the work prints and stuff like that. I'd say it's worth watching if you get like the good version of it. You're like, wow, this is surprisingly like really cool. At one point, though, uh, Vincent Price says, I think he says Army of Darkness, and I, all I could think about was the greatest movie ever made. Evil Dead 2? Actually, comma, <laughs> semicolon, period, and quotations. It owns that Army of Darkness is my least favorite one, but I still bought the Scream Factory set that has three different versions on it. My autism is so powerful. Look, I maintain, if I had watched it at a younger age, it would be one of my favorite movies ever. Sometimes you're just too old to go back, Chris. How do you like it less than Evil Dead 1? Oh, fine, fine, it's cool. Yeah, people have opinions about movies. Look, so. Evil Dead 1 is hard to compare to real movies. And you that's know a good that. point. I, the, the fact that you appreciate Evil Dead 1 is like a warming feeling for me, you know? I had so much fun, like, as soon as it was over, going to the bonus features and just watching all of these horror oh, directors I love in the last those. 20 years talk about how much they love that movie. I love listening to the making mm-hmm. of. I was like, yeah, making this movie was a living hell. <laughs> I could watch Guillermo del Toro just talk about horror movies he watched as a kid for hours. He's just so happy and jolly to talk about the most vile things ever put on film. I love him. Turns out he's actually pretty Not good at making movies. He's Yeah, he's made some good ones. You know who isn't? Who's the guy that? who made Dr. Goldfoot. Got him. Yeah. Kind of just nailed him right in the crotch there. Bang, bang. Yeah, so, uh... Oh, the movie has a lot of reaction shots. You ever watch The Whitest Kids You Know? <laughs> you know the answer is yes. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple moments where they don't really know, like, how to deal with the joke, so they just make a really bizarre reaction face. Trevor Moore's, like, a serial offender here, because he has really big eyes, right? So he'll do, like, the oh, sort of face, and that's... If you've ever seen the movie Miss March... That's all they do. Oh, it's I did not. Yeah, it's not actually. I, good. I could smell that from the trailer. It's another movie that got me laid. Anyway, um, must be nice. It actually kind of sucked, but uh, yeah, it turns out uh, that movie does not slap. Neither does this. But this is one where Frankie Avalon. Ooh, nice to see him in a movie. A whole bunch of bug-eyed reaction shots of the camera. Like, oh, this bizarre thing happened to me. Like, when could you get Russ Tamlin to do that? Jesus. You need to stop with these names. <laughs> he was in, sending me down a road. Russ Tamblin was in Twin Peaks. He was in that first episode. Dr. Jacoby. There were like 400 people in that episode. That's a good point, yeah. Actually, one of my favorite things about Twin Peaks episode one is you see, uh, or not just episode one, the entire series, is that you have uh, two of the male leads from uh, West Side Story. Oh, yeah. They're completely the unrecognizable. <laughs> Very familiar with, of course. Oh, you haven't seen it, have you? I mean, not since school. Oh, I was going to use it as like a bet thing when the Celtics finally beat the Cavaliers. Oh, trust me. I know how to how to phrase things very carefully. <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie oh, that movie I then. totally watched. I've definitely last seen it. Year. I'm holding on to the Blu-ray right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Let me just... Uh, tale as old as time. Jets and sharks. I'm, so I don't need to see it. That's fine. I'm going to be fine just as long as you watch more Twin Peaks. I will be in a very, very good mood. I, I mean, the train has started and there's no letting up. And I'm also going to be watching a lot of Tales from the Crypt because that really is just that perfect center point of nostalgia for me. Because mm-hmm. you know I love horror. Out of all the subgenres, anthologies are easily my favorite because you just fire off these quick stories. And even if one's shitty, you have another one coming. 
and just all that merging together, all that sweet, sweet nostalgia from my childhood. And it holds up, unlike most things from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about it is I can put it on one monitor, because all the episodes are on YouTube. Uh, I know, not so great quality. Great. Sometimes the audio drops in them, so you got to be careful for that. Um, all the episodes are on YouTube, and I can put that on one monitor at work, and then the other monitor I can just like get like my checks done and everything. So that's kind of nice, uh, except when someone walks by and wonders what the hell I'm looking at. But Why... Are there no horror anthologies on TV right now? What are we doing? Well, they, not yet, you know? This is what we got the old Netflix for. I mean, the 90s had so many. You had that, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Dark Side, Goosebumps. What are we doing? I never really liked Are You kids, Afraid of the Dark. Kids need to get scared. They do. Now kids just fucking watch Let's Plays of fucking Five Nights at Freddy's. That's a good point, yeah. That's not, those aren't scary. They're just shocking. It's just like, oh, it's a scary thing that I saw. That shit doesn't keep you up at night. Yeah, exactly. The haunted mask will keep you up at night. That's a terrifying mask. The Crypt Keeper will keep you up at night if you're a sweet little child. That's, there's a lot of these episodes that are seared deep into my brain. There's one you'll get to eventually with a little girl who wears a mask for reasons you will find. That shit haunted me. Man, you know... I could, I could fucking recite it from memory. <laughs> it is the most... It's got... The Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist is her creepy ass mom. Oh, nice. Yeah, they don't fuck with you. There's some episodes that are just falling like, oh no, these aren't. This isn't a joke. Like this is just fucked up and scary. I think I think kids do need to be scared every once in a while. I think you know, watching a we're not even talking about Goldfoot anymore. I think the kids need to like understand this is how horror works. This is the genre how it works, and you know, you could be educated by this in some capacity, but it's got to be good. Don't show a kid fucking Friday the Thirteenth. No, show them Tales from the Crypt. They need to know. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Don't show them the one with the boobs in it, because sex is illegal. No. The fact that this show got syndicated, like, there's so much I didn't know was on this show because I would just see it rerun on the Sci-Fi channel over and over and record them off TV and just have just VHS tapes full of them. So as I started going back through the series uncut, it was like, oh, shit. This is not okay that anyone let me watch any of this. Yeah, they... You know, I have to admit, I appreciate every single time they say the F word, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, every once in a while, like it kind of just adds to oh, no, they're serious. Like, just scrolling through the list of episodes and seeing some of these names. Like, um, that Joe Pesci episode is real good. Eleanor, you bitch! <laughs> Steve Buscemi and Roger Daltrey, huh? Are you serious? Why not? Yeah, that's oh my god, my too. sister's obsessed with Roger Daltrey. Dad well, rock runs heavy in my family. Oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Stars, bars, and dad rock. I'm sorry, that was me. No, it's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're still early in season two here, man. Is there anything left to say about Dr. Goldfoot? Nah, not really. Yeah, this, uh, look... Next week is Deadpool 2. <laughs> you know how good comedy sequels always turn out to be, so... You know what? What better way to do an episode than to discuss the most subjective genre possible? Where either you find it funny, or you don't. Well, you know, Deadpool 1 is one of the most popular... I think it was the most popular R-rated movie of all time, right? It's... It made the most money, it, I think. It's gotta be high up there. Yeah. It had all those great jokes and a character really liked. And a romance, the romance. I liked the romance. 
see that's the thing that i love about marvel because this is technically a marvel movie i don't care uh is that you got like the ant-man turned it into like a heist movie you got guardians of the galaxy turned it into more of a comedy and uh thor ragnarok turned it into more of a depressing trail into like the dark recesses of our mind and right. you go Whatever. you got uh deadpool which turned it into more of a romance and i like that see here's the thing with the first deadpool I've spent a lot of time on the internet because I'm always deep in the trenches of the posting warfare. Mm-hmm. Intellectual dark web. I, I have hated every panel I've ever seen from a Deadpool. Comic. Really? They've all been because they show up on fucking Imgur all That's the time and they're just the most obnoxious fucking things you've ever seen. I hated all of them. Chimichangas. Yeah, yeah, totally epic for the one. I, <laughs> I hated when that fucking the footage came out at Comic Con that leaked. Didn't find that funny. Didn't laugh at a single trailer leading up to the movie. And then laughed my balls off the entire movie. So you know what? I'm keeping my hopes relatively high. Because up until the moment I sat down in that theater, I was very apathetic at best for the first one. So who knows? I mean, there are so many portrayals of superheroes that we love. I mean, we'll probably save this for the next episode. But, like, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, I mean, nailed it. Yeah. My biggest takeaway was, like, even if I didn't love the movie, I liked it a lot, but well, unlike some people, I wouldn't put it in my top five of the year. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. But... I was going to cut it off right there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did really like that. Because fans for years and years kept telling me, like, this is what we want. Please give us this thing. Just give us this R-rated funny movie. And they're like... No, you want X Men Origins? No, please, just give us it. Just please, we'll see it. We'll see it. Like, I think you want more Wolverine. Like, please, just give us this fucking movie. And then the footage leak, they're like, yes, please that, make that. You weren't gonna make it, but make it. So they made it, and it made a gorillion dollars. I like it when fans demand something in mass. They get it and they enjoy it, and they're rewarded for it. I like when good things happen to fans of things. One might say you like good movies more than bad movies. You know what? You would think so, but then you look at my letterbox, and yeah, probably not. Uh, okay, good point. Speaking of, I enjoy things that are. Well, bad. speaking of letterbox, I hate the fact that if you look at the most recent movies on there, you've got Transformers Five right next to Dunkirk. The posters yeah, look how's identical. How's that feel? Not great, Bob. You paid the same price for both of those. Because paying the price is certainly the way I would the describe emotional it. toll. <laughs> I couldn't escape from Transformers 5. I was five minutes in and I wanted to leave. For whom the content bells toll, my friend. Ding dong. <laughs> Standalone G.I. Joe movies. Oh, jeez. Coming to a theater near you. Anyway, I'm excited legitimately for Deadpool 2. We'll see you guys next week. Please, God, be funny. Hopefully T.J. Miller says something wacky before he has another complete emotional breakdown. Dude, I fucking love wacky movies.